All right. Good morning, everybody. Good morning, everybody. <laughs> there we go. Uh, my name is Steve. I'm the lead pastor here. I want to invite you to meet me in Ephesians chapter 1 as we're now in week 2 of this new conversation that we are calling Exiles. And while you're looking that up, uh, whether that's in your physical Bibles or your phone, whatever you have in front of you, while you're looking that up, I have a couple things that I want to just say and sort of run through here before we get into our time in Scripture this morning. So first of all, uh, the youth, the youth of Discovery are now uh, going to be hanging out over here in this corner. You can see David and Liz waving. Um, that is where if you are sixth grade and up, if you want to uh, hang out with people, make fun of me while I'm preaching, all that kind of stuff, like that's the spot where you want to be. Um, by the way, the youth meet fairly regularly on Sunday afternoon. So if you're not already connected there, um, talk to them. Again, David, Liz, some other people who help out with that would love to let you know more about what the youth Reed, Liz, Andrea, Janine, our uh, deacons and elders for all the work that they've done on that survey. And not just on the idea or the, the collection of the information, but also the way in which they've been communicating that uh, has just been really great and, and really helpful, I think, for us. That, that uh, push I, that, that we all sense here towards how can we create more uh, and deeper belonging at Discovery. So I just want to say again, I appreciate everything that they put into that. We're really grateful for that. And we're going to say more about uh, the survey as we move through this year and some of those goals that we have around building community at Discovery. Now, because of the survey uh, update, we haven't done a lot of announcements over the last couple of weeks. So I just want to say one or actually a couple of quick things about that and also to say that if you are not currently connected through our app, you can, you can download that Discovery Christian Church app available on all sorts of uh, app store platform things. Um, you can download that and find out about everything that's going on here. Go to our webpage, discoverydavis.org. Follow us on social media. All of those are great ways to be in the loop. Uh, with what's going on here. Now, in the coming weeks, and we take a Sunday off from our this mothering, and we go our next serve Sunday. This is where we take a Sunday off from our worship gathering, and we go serve our, our city and community in all kinds of different ways. So stay tuned for some of the details and sign-ups for that, because that is coming up in the not-too-distant future. Also, the very next Sunday, June 5th, is when we honor and celebrate uh, people who are graduating. So if you are going to be graduating from UC Davis, or really anywhere, I guess, for that matter, um, this, this, uh, uh, at the end of this term, we would love to know that and, again, be able to celebrate that with you. So send an email to info at Discovery Davis. Um, the last thing I want to say is that we are also going to be participating in the 4th of July celebration here uh, with the city of Davis. This is something that Discovery has done for many years, and we have not been able to do the last two years because of COVID, but it's back, and we get to help out again, and that's going to be a ton of fun. So uh, again, be, uh, be on the lookout for more info about the 4th of July. All right, so that and a whole lot more is happening here as we sort of wind down the academic year and get ready for and move into the summer season. So a lot of great stuff to be a part of, all of which I think connects to that sense of belonging that UN was just sharing with us a moment ago. Now, today is Mother's Day, so we also want to say Happy Mother's Day. We want to honor and celebrate the moms, so we can do that. 
Thank you, moms, for all you do in, in raising up the next generation, the sacrifices and hard work that goes into that. We also want to acknowledge, though, that on a day like this, uh, we can have all sorts of, of feelings, right, on a, on a day like Mother's Day. Either we uh, have an estranged relationship with our mom, our mom is no longer here. Uh, maybe we have a desire for motherhood that has not been fulfilled yet. And so we do acknowledge that a lot of that kind of comes up on this day too. So holding both of those things together, we want to just take a moment and pray before we get into our conversation in Ephesians chapter 1. So pray with me. Heavenly Father, we do uh, celebrate the moms in our lives, the moms here at Discovery, and honor all of the work that they do um, investing in their children. We, we ask, God, that you would bless them, that you would give them strength, that you would continue to form them into the likeness of Jesus as they pour into and shape these kids. Father, we also pray for those of us who a day like this brings up stuff, uh, broken hearts, unfulfilled longings, um, relationships that are strained. God, we pray over all of that as well and ask that you would be the God of peace the Prince of Peace in those different situations. Now, God, as we turn our attention to your word, would you speak to us today? Would you challenge us? Would you help us to be fully present in this moment, to hear from your spirit as it speaks to us, as it challenges, encourages us? God, would you give us the courage to respond in whatever ways we need to respond today? We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so last week we started this conversation in Ephesians. We learned that this guy named Paul is most likely the author of this letter. We know Paul fairly well because we spent a long time in the book of Acts, which, which gives us a lot of Paul's story. Paul is most likely writing this letter from jail uh, towards the end of his life with this great uncertainty kind of hanging over him. How much time in Ephesus? This was a church investing in them. And so here he is at the end of his life in jail, not sure how much time he has left, writing a letter to his friends. And he just goes for it in this letter. All of his best stuff, big ideas, theological truths, uh, 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 amazing words of affirmation for his friends in Ephesus. Underneath all of that, underneath all of that, the big ideas and the deep truth and the words of affirmation is this deep desire for his friends to get just how much God loves them. Now, we're calling this conversation exiles because Ephesians, uh, Ephesus, the city, was not an easy place to be the church. There were all sorts of pressures on them that made following Jesus difficult for them. The economic engine of their city revolved around the worship of the goddess Artemis. The city itself was a center for trade in the Roman Empire. So you had all kinds of people and perspectives intersecting in this city. And then internally, the church faced the pressure of being one of the first churches to try to figure out how to integrate Jewish and Gentile believers. So all these different pressures that, that, that faced this church, the Ephesians were not exiles in the literal sense, but they experienced this sense of not quite fitting in. Right, that, that sense of different things are kind of pushing against us that make it hard to, to stay faithful to the ways of Jesus. And so this letter, this letter is a good guide for followers of Jesus as we navigate our own cultural pressures here in the 21st century 
in Davis and the surrounding area right now. Now, Paul opens. Again, this is a little bit of review from last Sunday. Paul opens with this subversive greeting, grace and peace. Grace and peace. Here, he is playing with the typical Greco-Roman salutation, connecting grace to peace, which was the big idea of Rome, right? The Pax Romana, uh, peace through Ro- the Roman Empire. But, but Paul does this thing where he kind of twists it and says, actually, this comes from God, our Father, and our Lord Jesus Christ. It comes from God's kingdom and King Jesus. These two simple words, grace and peace, perfectly capture the story. Right, The big story of God's work in the world through his son, Jesus Christ. So Paul comes out of the gate hot, and then he just kind of puts the pedal down to the floor and just goes for it. Like finds this whole other gear here in verse 3. We're going to read now through verses, uh, verses 3 through 14, which in our English Bibles is eight verses over, or, I'm sorry, 12 verses over eight sentences. But in the original Greek, this is one really long sentence. All right, and I want us to, I'm going to try to read through it that way as one long sentence. And I want us to hear not just what Paul says. Uh, what he says is super important and again, full of all kinds of big, big truths. But I want us to hear his, his sort of emotions, like what Paul was feeling as he was trying to communicate these big Ideas, all right? So Ephesians 1.3. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight in accordance with he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us with all wisdom and understanding. He made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ to be put into effect when the times reach their fulfillment, to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. In him we also were chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will, in order that we, who were the first to put our hope in Christ, might be for the praise of his glory. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who was a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of of his glory, then he puts a period. Okay? That, thank you. <laughs> that is a sentence, right? And it is full of all kinds of stuff. All kinds of stuff. A lot going on here. So I, I want to begin with just a quick reminder that here at Discovery, we view our teaching on Sunday morning as a first word. We are hoping to instigate exploration, spur conversation. We are trying to facilitate discovery. Did you see what I did there? Okay, thank you. 
The point here is not that our teaching on Sunday morning, it goes through every detail and explains every last thing. Our hope is, again, to kind of introduce you, give some first words that lead to further conversations. Now, having said that, there is within this section in the book of Ephesians, the proverbial elephant in the room that I feel like needs to be addressed. This is the one, that elephant's all up in his feelings there, so... Uh, This is the one section in this letter to the Ephesians where Paul addresses predestination. Or the the term that we prefer here is the term election. We we prefer the term election because it's more faithful to the original language and concept. If you're not familiar with predestination, this is the the age-old debate about do we have free will or is God in control of everything? Or in the words of Forrest Gump, I don't know if we each have a destiny or if we're all just floating around accidental-like on a breeze. All right? This is a very deep, very old question. And it's actually a question... That, that there's a divide within the church, and when I say the church here, I mean primarily the Protestant church, over how to answer this particular question. That divide is named this way, the Calvinist-Arminianist debate, John Calvin and Jacobus, Jacobus Arminius, that's a hard name to say, uh, were two Dutch Reformed theologians in the 16th and 17th centuries who... who kind of took two very different views on this particular question. Calvinists would say that, that um, uh, there really isn't much free will, that God is in control of everything. And Arminius would say, no, actually we do have free will, and, and that can impact what God does. Now, there are all sorts of variations to each of these views, sort of extreme views, more moderate views, kind of gradations in between all that. But that's the essential divide. God controls everything. We have free will. Are you with me? All right. Now, there's all kinds of, of, of passages and different places in Scripture that each camp will go to to uh, defend their position on this particular doctrine. So today, we're only looking at this one passage. And I want to be very clear about this. We're not going to answer every single question, nor is this, this really long sentence designed to answer all of those questions. This, this is one issue that comes up in this particular sentence. It's actually embedded within a much larger idea that Paul is building to. Chapter 1 in Ephesians builds to chapter 2, which then builds to chapter 3. And we're going to get into this a little bit more at the end. But the end of chapter 3 is really where he's going. So this is all kind of leading and building in that direction. And then there's also an even bigger idea within just the sentence itself. That we'll talk about here in just a moment. But because for some people, this is a very big question, and you may have heard a wide variety of different things about it, we wanted to spend a few moments just sort of addressing again the elephant in the room with this question of election. Now, we, we want to talk about that, but we also don't want to lose sight of the larger thing because I think that's part of the challenge here with this. This is one of those questions where pastors and theologians often miss the bigger thing. Right, the bigger thing that is going on by getting caught up in this secondary or even tertiary question. So the best way, in my opinion, to actually read the book of Ephesians would be to read all of chapters 1, 2, and 3 together and then go sit under a tree for a couple of hours and reflect on all of that saying, whoa, over and over again like that Keanu Reeves gif. Because there is a lot going on here and it all builds on each other. 
Now, we did want to spend some time here, and so what I want to do is just walk through a couple of things that I think are helpful in this conversation about predestination or election. So the first thing is this, and this is maybe the most important one, but the first thing is this. When we read election or predestination in Scripture, we need to hear elected for mission. All right, elected for a purpose, not simply election for salvation. We have been way too conditioned to think about this particular issue and question purely in relationship to what happens to us after we die. Always about reality is, though, that within Scripture, this issue, this question is always about being elected for a purpose, for something that God wants to do in the world right here and right now. The question that we should be asking when we come to an election passage is not, oh, did I make the cut for heaven? Am I in or out? Am I one of the chosen or not? But the question we should be asking is like, wow, I've been chosen, but, but why? For what purpose? What, what role does God want me to play in his mission. God does choose people. God definitely chooses people. Sometimes he chooses individuals. David, Ruth, Esther, Paul. Sometimes he chooses communities, right? Groups of people. Abraham's family. The Old Testament nation of Israel. This church in Ephesus. But in either case, whether he's choosing individuals or communities, it's for a purpose related to his mission here on earth. The question of election has way more to do with what's happening right here uh, than, what it, than what happens to us after we die. There's certainly an element of that, right? Because part of God's mission and purpose in the world is saving people. But we need to kind of change. There's a subtle shift. We need to shift our, our, our hearing of this from just something that might happen in the future to how we actually live our lives on a daily basis. So first, when we hear election, we need to hear elected for mission. Second, election is a great example of one of the paradoxes of our faith. All right, a paradox is where two seemingly contradictory things can be true at the same time. God can have a plan, God can be in control, and we can have a part to play in that. We can have free will. We, we have uh, really enjoyed here at Discovery exploring different paradoxes. A few years ago, we did a series called Paradoxology. And go back and listen to that if you want to get into some of the other paradoxes that are inherent in our faith. Part of our, our, our reasoning there is that faith is living in the tension of the paradox, right? Not trying to resolve it too easily or too simply, but saying, yeah, I'm going to trust that both of these things can be true at the same time. Third, context always matters. And there's two parts to this. Part one is the context of the opening of the letter. Okay, back to verse one. God's holy people, the faithful in Christ Jesus. You probably heard, as I was reading through that sentence, one of the things Paul repeats here is in him. In him, in him, in him. Paul is relentlessly affirming their identity in Christ. And it's not just in this really long sentence, but in these first three chapters, over and over again, this is who you are. I want you to listen to just some of the words that he uses in verses 3 through 14. Holy, faithful, blessed, chosen, blameless, adopted, redeemed, forgiven. 
lavished with grace. Loved. Unified with Jesus. For his glory. Included. Marked in him. God's possession. Think about this from the Ephesians perspective. From being in a culture that labeled them as weird, cultish, outsiders, heretics, unimpressive, stupid rejects, and probably a whole lot of other words, to hear these words read over them from their dear friend Paul. I mean, what a refreshing thing to hear in that context. Fourth, again, context matters. The other, the other context we need to keep in mind here is that it is about this build to chapter 3. Chapter 1 builds to 2, which builds to 3, which is where Paul sort of ends with, this, with another kind of massive like, excitement sort of sentence about God's love for us. How high and wide and deep and vast is this love of God. He's reminding us this is who God is. God exists as Trinity, as three in oneness, a self-giving community of perfect love. That is the foundational reality of our universe, love. And it may not feel that way. We may not experience it that way moment by moment. But underneath everything, this is what is true. The concept of election always needs to be understood in light of the more foundational reality, the wide, deep, high, vast love of God. Now last, we, we believe here at Discovery that this is one of those uh, uh, theological topics, for lack of a better term, that we can argue about, debate, have great conversations about, and not agree on. This is, I think, one of the beauties of the church and the larger point that Paul is actually pointing us to, which is the unity of the church, where we can hold different positions on different theological topics and still be together in church, in relationship with each other. Now, if this is an issue for you that that you have a lot of questions about, that's great. We love talking about them. Uh, This is actually one of my favorite ones to talk about. So if you would like to do that, I'm I'm available to chat about it. And I know our our elders and, and staff and other leaders would also love to talk about it as well. One more thought here before we move on, again, back to kind of the larger flow of the letter. I once heard a pastor, and this is me now speaking to you pastorally as much as possible. I once heard a pastor give a sermon, and I don't even remember what it was about. I I think it was actually like an Old Testament story that had nothing to do with predestination and election. But this guy preached for a long time, and then at the end of the sermon, he said, you know what, everything I just said doesn't really matter anyway, because most of you here are matchsticks who are just going to burn. And what I want, what he meant by that is most of you have been predestined to burn in hell. And it's this sort of like Christian nihilism that says nothing really matters because God's already sort of decided where you're going to go anyway. And what I want to say to you as your pastor is if you are ever in a place where you hear that communicated, directly or indirectly, run from that place. Because there's probably some other stuff going on there as well that is not healthy. It is a very twisted misunderstanding of the ice high and deep and wide and vast love for each one of us. 
It also doesn't, doesn't fit with the context of where Paul is taking us in this letter, and it doesn't align with Paul's understanding of God's mission, which he names in verse 10, bringing unity to all things in heaven and under earth. Now, this theme of unity is all over this letter, but for now, I want us to notice how Paul builds to this point in verse 10 by by continuing to build on the story, the story of grace and peace. Look at verse 7. In him, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness. It's almost like Paul, in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us. It's almost like Paul just cannot come up with enough words to describe how awesome it is what God has done for us through his son, Jesus Christ. Right, The forgiveness of sins, riches of God's grace, lavished on us. I mean, he just keeps using these big words to talk about, like, God didn't you know, do the bare minimum through his son Jesus, right? He, he goes all out, above and beyond, way beyond what, what uh, you, would, you would think or imagine, right? This is a huge deal. With all wisdom and understanding, he made known to us the mystery. That's a good phrase right there, right? He has made known to us the mystery. Of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ. I know a lot of us have this, like, I don't know what God's will is for my life, or what, you know, what is God up to in the world? Bringing unity to all things in his son Jesus. Right? He has made clear to us the mystery of his will. Put into effect when the times reach their fulfillment, bringing unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. God's plan, his wisdom, is to bring healing, wholeness, unity, shalom to his broken creation through his son Jesus. And Paul cannot get over how awesome this is. This is a God who has a plan. This is a God who takes great joy in his plan to redeem and save his creation. This is a God who delights in revealing his plan to us. This is a God who is pleased to forgive us and who desires to bring all things to unity in Jesus. By the way, a better and more interesting debate, I would argue, than some of the questions around predestination is what does Paul mean by all things? And this is not the only place that he uses this. This shows up in Colossians 1 and some other places in his writing in the New Testament. What does he mean by all things? This is a big deal. This is the story, the mystery that makes sense of everything, right? Isn't that a great paradox? The mystery that makes sense of everything. Now, here's, where, here's what, one thing I want us to just sit with for a moment. Because sometimes when we are in a letter like this or we get into these big theological questions, it's like, well, that was interesting, but what in the world does it have to do with my life? How, how does this impact me on Tuesday afternoon when I'm hitting the afternoon wall and, and I just can't, I'm like, oh, God, just, when is this day over? Or, or Thursday morning when you're in that meeting with that annoying person that drives you up the wall, like, how, how does this have anything to do with that? What I want you to think about is this week, when you are in that moment, whatever it is, Tuesday afternoon, hitting the wall, Thursday morning, annoying meeting, remember some of these things that Paul says about who we are. Glorious grace. Grace that has been lavished on us. Every spiritual blessing, not a few or some, every spiritual blessing freely given, you are chosen, adopted, elected to bring unity to all things in heaven and earth under Christ. You are not just slogging through another day. There is way more going on here. 
which is a great tagline, I think, for the book of Ephesians. There's way more going on here. You are chosen, redeemed, forgiven. You have been lavished with rich and glorious grace. What Paul wants the Ephesians and us to know in our bones, in our hearts, in every fiber of our being is that we are loved. We are loved. Praise in verse 4, in love. In love. All these things that God does that, that Paul just cannot get over, that he can't find enough good words to explain it all comes from in love which pushed against the cultural currents Rome said bow down to the emperor and you might be loved Artemis said sacrifice to the goddess and you can earn some love even Jewish Old Testament theology follow the law and God will love you our culture achieve and you will be loved Work hard, and you will be loved. Be super busy, and you will be loved. No, we are loved simply because God loves us. We are loved simply because God loves us first. In love. This is the foundation of everything. There is no earning, no proving, no condition that comes first before love. That's our purpose, our calling, our election to love God, to live with God, and to work with God for the shalom of his good creation, the unity of all things under heaven and earth in Jesus, all because he loved us first. Now this morning, we're going to end our time today taking communion. We're going to do it a little bit differently than we have been doing it with the little cups in, in the past, really, year. <laughs> so this is going to be a, a sort of test run for us of getting back to bread and wine, bread and juice. There's four stations here, um, two in the front, two in the middle. I believe one of these ones in the front is gluten-free. Which one is that? Gina is gluten-free over here, if, if you prefer that. Um, there's also more of you sitting in the back than the front, so if some of you can sort of take a longer walk and come up to the, the front elements, that would be great. Um, we do have wine and juice, so if you prefer one over the other, just let the server know, and they will help you figure that out when you get there. What I want you to do is take those cups, though, back to your seat with you, because we're going to take this together at the very end. All right, so as we sing these two songs and close our time in worship, uh, make your way around the room, get the elements, bring them back to your seat, and then we will take and eat together uh, as we close our gathering. All right, let me pray, and then we'll sing uh, these last two songs. Heavenly Father, there's so much going on in this, this huge sentence that Paul uh, writes to us today. Big theological truths, th these concepts that, that can be fun and difficult and challenging to explore and all of that is wonderful God but underneath that may we know the foundational truth of your love for each one of us may we know and remember that all of this was done in love your creation of the world's your creation of each one of us 
your redemptive work through your son Jesus, all of it in love. And so if we are here this morning and we are not feeling that, God, would you, would you break through the midst of a challenging of your deep love for us? If we're in the midst of a challenging season and there's a lot of things coming at us that are hard that we didn't expect or plan on, God, would you remind us and meet us in that challenge and place and speak to us this truth that in love you are bringing redemption and healing. Father, this week as we we get into uh, our Monday through Friday, whatever that is, when we hit that wall on Tuesday, when we have that meeting, Whatever those things might be, God, would you remind us in love, you are with us, you sustain us. We are with you participating in the unity of all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. So wherever we are this morning, whatever we are working through, God, would you remind us, speak to us, Be tender to us. May we know how much, how high and wide and vast and deep is your love for us. We pray this in Jesus' name.